Hey guys, I'm always getting asked about my podcast and and how do you get to make it and you know what tools are you using to get online and get your ideas out there? Well, let me tell you, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's by far the easiest way to make a podcast today. Everything you need is all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then hosting, which is kind of actually technically relatively complicated. They do all of that stuff and distribute all that stuff. Guess what? For F-R-E-E, they do all of that. It's uh, Spotify. You'll see your podcast show up on Apple, on Stitcher, all these great platforms. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, did I mention that it's free? So here's how you do it. You go to the Anchor app. Go to the App Store. Just put in Anchor. Or you can go to the anchor.fm and you can get started right away. Thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It is uh, Pierre Hulsebus. That's right. It is me. It is I. Today we're going to do an awesome podcast. This is podcast number one. Numero uno. You are on the front lines. Boy, I'm excited about this. Very excited. Are you? I hope you are. I hope you're excited as I am. Got a lot of fun stuff planned. I'm going to talk about some awesome fun things that we're planning to do. But I have learned not, yes, to start too early. So let's listen to the song. It's a theme song. It's very exciting. All right, let's just uh, turn that down a little bit. And uh, I want to welcome you to my podcast. Now, what, what I'd like you to do is just sit sit back here. We're going to um, sit here in our little cafe. So I've got some little background noise there while we're sitting in our cafe. And so if you are listening in an actual cafe, this is going to seem a little redundant and ridiculous. But to the other people that are just kind of going out for a walk and whatnot, well, this is what I'd like to think our time together is sitting around having a cup of joe with Pierre. And uh, so what are why are we getting together? Like, what is the whole point of this conversation? What in the heck are we talking about? Well, uh, so a couple of things and uh, just start off uh, uh, talking a little bit about uh, and uh, just framing this all up. Like, why would I do this? Like, what would the point be? Uh, so a little uh, background about Pierre. And uh, so I have been in technology sales uh, in the technology sales professional stuff since 1989. I've been pretty much doing that job uh, for different roles. I started out selling computers 
uh, in a retail store at Highland Superstores uh, back in 1989. And uh, it is now 2021. That's a long time, man. That is a long, long time. Windows was on Windows 3 when I first started doing that. It was just getting released, Windows 1.1, actually. And uh, sold my first uh, XT8088 uh, computer, or Packard Bell, back in the day. And uh, those would have like a 10 meg hard drive in them and a couple, two, like 256K of RAM in them. It's just amazing to see how far we've come. Nothing works that way today. It's 2000 and, uh, 2001. And uh, nope, it's not 2001. It's 2021. So yeah, that's close to what? 10, 20, 30 years? Over 30 years of technology sales. Uh, today, I work for a large a software company in Seattle, a, um, a, a little company called Microsoft. Actually, I work for Microsoft as a technical salesperson. So uh, today, I'm do, uh, and in the middle there, I work for lots of different companies, help start a couple of them, and, uh, t- and that's what we do on a daily basis. So I talk to customers about technology and specifically software and uh, we help them understand demo, do demos, and organize their teams to do demos and things on that order. So I've been a sales manager. I've been an account manager. I've run a service department, sales and service. It's uh, and uh, I have traveled <clears throat> all over the world. Uh, I've been to um, every continent uh, on the except for Antarctica and to Asia and. Australia, and uh, of course, we go to Canada. <laughs> Customers have in Canada. I've traveled to every state in the United States except for Alaska and Hawaii, so I haven't uh, got a good get an opportunity to go there someday. And uh, spent some time in, in Europe, uh, too, with a, a company. We had offices in, in uh, the Netherlands. <clears throat> so, anyways, so needless to say, I've been doing this for a little bit. Um so I'm a quota carrying salesperson <laughs> and have been doing that for a long time. And so I thought it'd be a really great opportunity. I also, uh, to kind of share some of my insight and wisdom and knowledge uh, with the folks. And uh, and what is, has it really inspired me is the work that I've been doing over the last couple years, uh, not work uh, in terms of being paid for it, a lot of volunteer work. And uh, a lot of friends that are trying to start their businesses and a lot of very passionate people um, that are advocates for uh, different um, causes, if you will, um, whether that's uh, justice uh, for um, convicted uh, felons that are now trying to get back into the workplace uh, and uh, or it's um, young kids uh, trying to learn um, new skills or and break out of uh, the cycle of poverty that they grew up in and trying to um, learn maybe to be uh, technologists themselves as a path to get out of uh, get out of poverty and to change uh, the family legacy that they've had. Um, and uh, and also friends of mine that are uh, trying to start their own enterprise, trying to start businesses. And uh, so 
I thought, you know, having a perspective or, or and uh, what is the other thing? Oh, young people that are just brand new into sales. You know, it's a long journey. You know, I've, after having done it a long time, you realize at the what you started out with and your things that made you successful earlier on aren't always the things that make you successful later because you learn and grow along the way. And so um, I've been spending time at... Uh, a local university uh, helping with the uh, curriculum for their business school. I've, I do some um, guest speaking at the universities uh, for um, sales and advanced sales and marketing classes. Uh, we'll do some judging on sales competitions and uh, and uh, help uh, some friends launch some nonprofits uh, and get uh, funding and go out and uh, make their pitch, help them, you know, build their pitch and help them find their value proposition in their organization and relay those values. And, and so there's a lot of selling that's going on or persuasion, let's say. So that'll be the underlying theme. This is not an advanced sales class by any means. We'll talk about some of those advanced sales techniques, but I really want to be able to break it down to a lot of things that you need to have that are basic core um, skills to be a persuasive person and to uh, to be successful in that endeavor of whether it's a selling uh, software like I do that is complicated and cost millions and millions of dollars uh, to deploy or if it's, uh, you know, you're selling used cars, <laughs> that spectrum. Um, but if you're new to the game uh, and to the job, I think I hope you'll walk away from this um, really uh, understanding uh, some of the core principles that will help you be successful in that. Or And I'll just share and we'll have some guests along the way, people that I've met on my journey and and whatnot. So I'm excited about this time that we can spend together and uh, talk one another and uh We'll have ways that we, you can reach out and we can uh, interact with each other through uh, the different uh, media uh, and mediums uh, uh, that, uh, that I use and we all have available to us. So with that said, let's uh, turn it over uh, to the next segment here. But let's take a break right now for a sec. Break. All right. All right. So the first thing we wanted to do is what is Pierre thinking right now? Yeah, the things that I'm thinking about are integrity and honesty. You know, uh, honesty, integrity are really essential to sales professionals. It's honesty is probably the easiest to be clear about. It is clear. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth and not tell lies, right? That is... I mean, holy cow, right? That is the thing. Tell truths and not tell lies. If you tell a lie, even a small one, you get found out. It's your credibility is gone and any chance of a sale goes with it. You know, that's, um, 
may be some of the most difficult things earlier on because you're so, "Mm, I really want to make this sale. I really want to make this happen. I really need to make this happen. And it's not happening. It's not happening. You know, it's not happening. And uh, then what happens then is you start making up little stories. You start telling little stories. And what happens is if you tell a lie in your sales efforts, even a small one, you will often get found out. Your credibility is gone and any chance of a sale goes with it. If you overpromise and don't deliver, what happens is you never get any more business from that customer or really from anybody that that person talks to, you know, and it's clear that people talk, right? And so, you know, people in business have very long memories. And if you um, do something like that, and they will remember it, and it's hard, very hard to come back at friends will forgive you for making a mistake, or for, you know, kind of crossing that line, even your spouse and loved ones will give you that. But, you know, if you're trying to make it as a salesperson, you will not get another chance. Typically, you will blow it. And it's really hard to come back from that. And, you know, the thing to think about is lying actually is kind of relatively hard, um, you know, because you have to remember what lies you told and who you told them to. And the moment that you slip up, you're caught out. And, uh, and it's not fun, not fun at all. So you want to, you know, have this as a core, like personal principle for yourself that, uh, you don't tell these stories. Now, salespeople, of course, are enthusiastic about their product and keen to make a sale. And that's why it's tempting to exaggerate or bend the truth a little. For example, say that maybe a solution meets the needs of a prospect when it doesn't. You know, that's one thing that people will say, yeah, oh, sure, 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 it does that. Yes, yes, it does. Or it can be delivered within a time frame or a budget. When they know that that is not true, you know, that's when somebody, a prospect, has given you enough, let's say, rope to hang yourself. They're asking you a question in honesty, and you're returning their honest question with a lie, basically. (laughs) And that is why you're breaking that trust. They're trying to put their trust in you. That's why they're asking you these types of questions. And then you take that trust and you use it and abuse it. And so, you know, it might be very comfortable to skip over these uncomfortable truths. And that's really what's happening. It's when you're writing that proposal or, you know, doing that grant application, and it comes maybe to discussing risks. And if you are honest about those risks and show how you would maybe mitigate those risks, well, you're going to gain more trust in that process than if you say, oh, there's no risk at all. This is easy. Uh Uh-uh. That is the decision-making stage where it seems easier to give positive answers to questions when they really should be referred back, you know, to this is our strategy to address that challenge salesmanship begins when the customer says no this is one of our universal truth number one that's when sales begins right that's when you're actually selling customer says i don't think this is for us or this might not be the right fit or i have a question and i don't think you know the answer to that now the customer is engaging you in a conversation and so you don't want to treat that 
in a bad way. You don't want to take advantage of that little bit of trust that they're giving you. You want to leverage or use that trust that they've given to you uh, to answer a question. It's an opening for you now to answer a question with honesty. And sometimes what you want to do is say, I don't know, or say um, something that might um, position you as being vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. That's part of gaining trust. And trust is more important. Trust is the most important thing. So a lot of times what we're going to say, and I say this all the time, I work for a the company that makes the software. You would think I would know all the answers. I'm on one of the top teams in that uh, software stack. And the customer will ask a question. I don't know if he has the question. Well, let's let's find out together. Let's find out. I don't know. Let me go find the answer. Let me get with the product team and let's figure that out. Those are the types of things that help engage in even more trust. Creating an opportunity to follow up gives you a better opportunity to gain even more trust to say, Pierre said he was going to do this. And guess what? He followed up and he did that. Again, another little trust point for you. So why are some people dishonest? Well, some of the best salespeople that are passionate about what they're selling and determined to make a sale, you know, that's a good thing. It's good to be passionate, but sometimes people get over-enthusiastic and lose sight of the importance of being completely honest. Be completely honest. Can I say that again? Let's say, be completely honest. Now, it's always better to slightly under-promise and then over-deliver And given, again, that opportunity to delight the customer other than what other folks do, which is like a a promise a politician makes. When they promise something that everybody in the room knows they can't deliver. But we all get in this kind of self-delusional mode where we give these fall, give these politicians that opportunity. And then they say, no, I'm not going to pack the courts. And then what happens? The courts are packed or, you know, no, we're not going to raise your taxes and we raise our taxes. You know, politicians, Lord, help us all with the politicians. Anyways, you know, this is the thing you can it can be the fault of other people, sales managers, so to speak, especially with new folks. If you put too much pressure on your salespeople to sell a solution, particularly one that sucks or is overpriced or underspecified or wrong for a particular customer, salespeople may feel they have to lie to meet their targets. Then they lie to the sales manager. Then the sales manager tells the owner of the company, I got a bunch of lying salespeople. (laughs) And we look at them and go, who hired all these lying salespeople and who is pressuring them into making these stories up? Well, maybe the sales manager is setting a culture of not being honest. And so it is important that we all say this together. We don't lie. We are a company of integrity. And that starts from the top and the examples that leadership set for their sales team. So if you're lying to your sales team, what do you think your sales team is going to be saying to your customer? Right? So if the salesperson is not properly trained or given all the information they should have about the solution, they may be tempted to pretend they know what they're talking about when they don't know what they're talking about. 
So there's tons of stories, tons of stories. So um, w- one of the ones that I was thinking about recently was uh, was a company that um, was a marketing company, and they were asked um, to do a marketing campaign. And uh, during that, you know, and so the way that this marketing company gets paid is by placing the ads and the commissions that result from the ad placement. So it's like a cost plus model. So if a company spends a million dollars, they make $120,000 for the ad placement. So they go out and help that customer spend money. Now they started to test the ads and the ad campaign, and they found that they were only getting a small conversion rate for that. And so what, and it was way below what would have been expected uh, for that particular market and industry. And so then what did they do? Instead of telling the customer, sure, let's run this ad and let's take your 120 grand, they said, no, you know what? What we probably should do is let's have you guys go back to the drawing board. We have another, we have a partner that will help rewrite some of these scripts and we'll get you a better return on your money. And then later on, come back to us. Now that's integrity. That is how you uh, run a business. You are looking at a customer's, and now I just made a partner when you had somebody like that. When you have somebody that turns around and says, I will, would love to take your money, but, but this is not the best thing for you. This is not the way you should go. When you do that, you've just made customers for life. So this integrity is about having a strong ethical value and sticking to them. Not talking negatively about the competitor or sharing confidential information. Or in our business, not working for a customer's competitor. Sometimes we are locked out of working for a customer's competitor because we now have insight into, you know, (laughs) insider information. So getting an okay from a customer calling them up, hey, we have an opportunity to work with X, Y, and Z, and company X, Y, Z is a competitor of yours. Would you feel, you know, if that is that okay? What what would you what would you would that ruin our relationship if I did that? You know, no, just don't talk about our company stuff. Okay, great, you know, or no, we we really do not want you working. It's in our agreement with you. So it just depends, you know, how you address those issues. But that is having integrity in your business. It is so so critically important. Most people um, don't think about this when they first start working, when they first start working in sales, that core of honesty. And um, I learned early on that you want to have that core of honesty. And um, you hold that to yourself and you keep that as a guide because at the end of the day, customers will come and go. Opportunities, another opportunity will come. And uh, so the worst that could happen is you say, I don't know. And the customer goes away and looks at you and says, you're an idiot and you should know better and and whatnot. And, And you lose that opportunity. What would be worse than that is that you tell a lie to the customer. You make up a story that's not true. And then you get further in the sale. And then later close to the end, after you've invested more time, they find out that that's not true. 
or they say, you know, we talked to one of your reference accounts and what you just told us was not true. Or we went on the internet and read all these stories about that not being true. And now not only have you wasted all of the time and energy and effort further on in the sale, which is another principle you'll learn here, is that the more further you get into the sale, the more expensive that sale becomes. The cost of you selling, because your time is worth money. So, you know, you want to use that in many ways as a gatekeeper. And that's why we want to uncover and deal with objections that the customer may have in an honest way, because that is the way you can qualify your opportunities out of, you know, a bad uh, prospect. So using those questions and answering the questions from a, a core of honesty is so, so critical. Now, what, you know, one of the other things you're going to find about Pierre is one of the things that I really enjoy is literature. I, I read a lot of books. I'm, I'm just an avid reader. And, uh, you know, so uh, you're going to hear different books and different references a lot um, in this podcast. Now, one of the great books, if you're in sales, is you, you got to read it. It's literally called Death of a Salesman. <laughs> Death of a Salesman. And, um, you know, lying is a theme in Death of a Salesman. That is a, a core um, piece of that book, actually, uh, lying. And uh, Arthur Miller, so this, this book is, you know, from the, mm, I want to say, uh, late 40s, mid 50s, somewhere in there. It was written in, as a play. It was a play on Broadway for many, many years, and then it got turned into a movie. It's been in several different iterations. And the um, main character's name is Willie Lohman. And uh, he lies all the time. And it's not just that he lies to his customers and prospects, he lies to his family to everybody and himself. And this is the reason why I think it's so important to draw this line. Because once you start telling lies at work, you can start easily telling lies at home too. Or maybe because you tell lies at home and are comfortable with that, you know, this is what I've kind of observed is that people that are comfortable lying are comfortable lying all the time. And so you never can trust them at, at anything. And, uh, Miller demonstrates this, how Willie lies in order to appear that he is more successful than he is, uh, that he is adored by many. And uh, even his oldest kids' accomplishments, he brags on those when those aren't true. And in these ways, Arthur Miller uses Willie to illustrate how people lie in order to make themselves look better than they actually are. Miller uses Willie's lies about his success to portray how most people lie to make themselves look better. For instance, Willie lies about his success to his wife. Now, I learned a long time ago, don't talk to your spouse about your commission checks. There's a there's a, another universal truth. Don't cuz you're you're kind of counting on the check and uh you know, until you get it in your hot little hands, a lot can happen. And so uh so I don't usually talk to my spouse about, hey, I'm getting a good good commission check this week, uh, you know, and then it, then it comes in as a well, uh, it didn't quite close and blah blah, right? That's this idea of being honest with yourself. So, anyways, Willie always lies uh, to his boys about how uh, cool he is. 
how great of a man he is. He's, he claims he can park his car on any street and the cops protect it like it's their own. And that illustrates the idea that people like him so much that he practically runs the town that he sells in. You know, it's not the case. He's not a very good salesman at all. Even Willie knows this. Um, his brother said, you know, um, just knows it as his uh, conscience tells him that is he's one of these great inventors and earns more money in a week than any salesman like him could earn in 35 years, you know? So he's just got these just outrageous statements and he's, he's not, you know, he, he really, even himself is ashamed underneath all of that. And so that's, we have to ask the question to ourselves, why are we not telling the truth? You know, it also proves that Willie thinks he's not as popular as he lies to his family about, you know, he, he like pretends he's more popular than he really is. And he learns this later in his life. His family learns the truth of how really well liked he is because he's not very well liked. Uh, Willie is towards the beginning of the play. For example, Biff um, learns uh, this when he is flunking math and goes to his father because he thinks if he thinks uh, if his teacher saw the kind of man Willie is and talked to the teacher, he would pass the dem- pass the test. And that kind of demonstrates the power of his lying. It also proves that Willie's been deceiving them for so long that even B- Biff believes he can sell anything. In reality, Willie is better at selling his lies than his stuff. You know, it's just... Uh, he he tells his wife that Biff is lost in the greatest country of the world. He 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 demonstrates that um, he tries to rationalize why Biff isn't successful because he knows he never will be successful. You know what am I? I've been reading a lot of uh, Jordan Peterson's books, the Twelve Rules, and I just I'm going through the second book, his Twelve More Rules book, and really it's a, just a fantastic well-researched book. It's so good. One of his rules are don't hide unwanted things in the fog. You know, this is uh, from the uh, a section of the book where, uh, you know, imagine that you are afraid. You have a reason to be uh, afraid of yourself. You're afraid of other people. You're afraid of the world. You're nostalgic for the innocence of the past time before you learn the terrible things that shattered the trust that characterizes your childhood, the knowledge that you've gained about yourself and other people in the world embitter you more than enlighten you. You've betrayed, hurt, and disappointed yourself, and you become distrustful of even hope itself as your hope is repeatedly shattered. And that's the very definition of hopelessness. This is why honesty is so important. Even being honest with yourself, this is why people avoid thinking too much about stuff. And this is why they will like blissful ignorance because it just gives you that safe space of not knowing who you are or the actual situation. So this is why people often lie about their product because they lack the confidence in the product or service or solution or, or, you know, nonprofit that they're in, they don't, they're not confident in it. 
you know, that's where the lying comes from, that self-doubt. So that's why you really have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that um, it was, you know, you that failed or it was your fault or um, this product does suck. You know, if you if you lie about it, you're basically ignoring the truths that you actually know. So you allow yourself the space to not know and you're comfortable with that. It's like a baby that's comfortable sitting in a dirty diaper. It can't change it, so it just finds the happy mess. Hmm. So you were so afraid, but for a different reason, to allow others to know what you want. This is this is what it comes down to. You know, his this whole thing of hiding things in the fog often comes because as a salesperson, we think what we're really trying to do early on is try to convince people that they want something and that we're really, we're just being, we're portraying, honestly, I don't have any needs here. I don't, I don't need anything. When in fact you do need something, you need the satisfaction to know that you've done a good job. You need the satisfaction to know that the product that or service or um, widget that you're selling is actually effective and that your little contribution in this world of widget selling or running a nonprofit or selling whatever is actually true or effective. And this is why salespeople often, you know, pull back into this um, area of of self-delusion. It's it's kind of a mess. The the fog hides this refusal to notice, to attend to emotions, to um, the motivational states that arrive out of that need. Now, I learned that as a consultant, I have a need. I have a need. I have a need to learn uh, about a customer's situation so I can offer some advice and direction based on the information that I know and what I've learned from other places, that I can show them methods and models. But my need ultimately is to know that that's also been effective and the outcome of my work is important too. So often we recommend something and then that transaction is done and we move on. And there's this empty space inside of us that is left unfulfilled, not knowing was our project successful? Was our program effective? Did what we build actually work in the field? In my consulting days, we would actually include inside of the project uh, after the project was live and the customer signed off, we would do reviews two months and we would make the customer actually pay for this. This is kind of crazy. We'd actually make the customer pay for it, but those were project reviews. And then the intention was so that everybody involved in the project got to see the outcomes of their project to see, to get that, that itch scratched that I need to know what, happened. This is how learning works. You get a grade at the end. You can get your test corrected, you know, and then you can go back and go, okay, next time I need to do well, when we're out on the field, we in, 
uh, sports. We have a coach right there helping us along. We watch the game films after we're done. But only in sales and consulting do we ever just um, kick the ball and walk away. We never know what the outcome of the game was. We don't look after at after things didn't go well and go, how could we do them better next time? It doesn't happen very often, right? So this is really what it is. It's a voluntary refusal to take notice of our emotional state that we have, that it's not only impending us dealing with other people and making sure that our needs are met, but it's also it's an area of vulnerability because if I showed that, guess what? <laughs> they could use that against me. And this is at the core, too, of this, is that once I would say no, that our product can't do that, or I cannot perform that on that timeline, that doesn't work for us. We're not going to be able to deliver to your satisfaction on this. This is unreasonable, or this is reasonable, and we're just going to have to walk away from it. What that does is it makes you vulnerable, And that level of authenticity and vulnerability is hard to find. Owners of businesses don't want to hear that from their salespeople. Well, it didn't, that customer said no because our product sucked and what we're doing here is incorrect. And we need to go back to the drawing board because these are the 17 things that we cannot do. Like nobody wants to hear that stuff. Like they want to, did you close? And where's the purchase order, right? So those are bitter truths and bitter pills to swallow when we lose. Recently, this is crazy. I was doing some research because one of my areas of expertise was in the oil and gas business, actually. And I had a prospect, uh, actually, um, a customer that uh, was looking at our software and they set up a discovery process for us. We went on site, we spent two days with them. And then about three weeks after that was done, we had to present them in front of about a hundred of their employees, a working demo and we uh, of using all their data and they gave us all their data. And I had about three people on the team and it was an impossible ask was impossible. And I kept telling our sales organization, this is not going to happen. We're not going to be able to meet their expectations. And sure enough, we didn't. And it was very difficult, painful demo. Halfway through, it was clear that we weren't going to meet their needs. People were frustrated. I was frustrated. Lots of frustration. And of course, the customer uh, kindly uh, bowed out of our offer and our team worked really hard to give them a, you know, to, to try to re-engage them to get a longer discovery process. But they were committed to their timeline. And so we we, we didn't meet their, their timeline goals. And uh, so anyways, they continued instead of replacing the software that they had, they just continued to use it. Well, I recently discovered a video on YouTube from the salesperson that I was selling against behind the scenes she was the one that that uh, owned the account, and she went through the whole how we failed. She didn't mention um, the customer, of course. She mentioned our effort by name, and uh, but she didn't realize that basically what ended up happening is the customer leveraged. Um, micro- hey, we're talking to Microsoft to push her down in price, 
and uh, they leverage and they uh, intentionally uh, sabotaged our opportunity. She had months to prepare, and in her video, you can hear she say. They were given all of this data, and they couldn't understand how to import the data uh, and show it um, like um, like they wanted it, like this customer wanted it. And uh, sure enough, uh, that was exactly what happened, because they only gave us the data in these very cryptic, long spreadsheets and, and um, files, and basically um, in the format of this competitor's system so we would have had a re- we had a reverse engineer basically their data tables into our data tables even to understand what they did and they barely showed us how that application worked and so it was um, a, a bit of a disaster but it's, I found it so very interesting that the um, that she was unaware of how she was played because they basically um, used our um, efforts and to um, lower her price. And that's stuff that happens. Sometimes you can be completely honest uh, and forthright with a customer and you know you're being played, which we were. You know um, that this is not going to end well, which it didn't. <laughs> and uh, you can tell your team that this is not going to end well and please don't put this on the top of your funnel. And we, you can try to get out of it as, as many much as you can, which I did. Um, but, you know, you have to sometimes be a team player and show up, which is what we ended up doing. Sometimes we want to walk away from those um, opportunities. So we don't show our product in a bad light. And it's better sometimes to say no, like, no, we don't have enough time and to walk away. Sometimes in a big, you know, company like I work for, you can't do that. That's not that's not an option. They don't let us do that. And so you 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 try to give it the best shot you can and uh and uh you know, you know you're part of a team and you sometimes you have to just take one for the team. So, anyways, being honest and straightforward is such an important uh part of what uh, what we're doing. Admitting that you actually have feelings <laughs> or that you're vulnerable you know, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. But I encourage you. I encourage you to always, um, you know, be be able to be vulnerable. Be confident in yourself enough to know that there's, you know, always danger out there. And it's always, you know, there's always some risk. But what's the big risk in sales? Like, the big risk is that somebody would say no and they would like this customer. That was my big risk. You know, I wasted a couple of weeks worth of our time. Um, I had another opportunity the last year that was very much like that same situation. It was a very low op- um, shot opportunity. It was against a very competent competitor that we knew a lot about. And, uh, but we, we know a lot about their, their product from the top level but we didn't know literally how it could fare against similar workloads. And so the only way to play the game was to get in the game. And so we literally played the handout, called the bluff, did the, you know, worked on the demo, did the three hour international demo with lots of people. We knew we were not going to win. It was low and we didn't, of course, but guess what we got? We got to learn a lot about that competitor, what their pricing was. We got to learn all about, uh, how agile their product was. We were able to give, give feedback to the product team uh, in order to bring some improvements to what we did. And so sometimes, you know, you play 
and you know you're going to lose. But, you know, it's like poker sometimes. You know, sometimes you want to call the bet, even though you have a bad hand, because you want to see the guy across the table or the gal across the table. You want to see their hand. You want them to, you want to see, were they bluffing or were they not? So you can see their tells and see their emotions in it. That's right. That's how it goes sometimes. So anyways, uh, let's just continue that conversation at a later date. So, you know, you had you got three universal truths out of this today, I think, from our discussion. So with that said, let us uh, talk about that here. Let's turn that over. Let's talk about that again. Uh, let's talk about the... Um, All right. All right. So, well, that's it. That's it. I'm going to wrap this sucker up. And uh, thank you again for your time uh, today. And I hope you learned a couple of things. You know, honesty is important. It is core, core, core to what you're doing. It's an important part of being honest with yourself, being honest with your team, being honest with your customers. But more importantly, be honest with yourselves. Don't let things sit in the fog. You know, dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper sometimes, and uh, you surprise uh, yourself at what you find. You'll surprise yourself, and it's not as scary as you thought. It's not as scary as you thought, because you're going to find that your product team might want to hear that feedback. They might need to get that feedback. You're going to find that the customer that said no really was just going, you didn't explain this good enough to me, help me understand better. So sometimes that no really needs to be reinterpreted in your head that you've got to get a little better at understanding. Maybe you need to ask some more questions, some clarifying questions, as opposed to just saying yes. Anyways, well, here we go. We are done for the day. I hope you have a wonderful day. And... Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of our time together. Podcast number one is in the bag. Number one down. It is over with. Man, it's going to get a lot better than this. I'm so excited, though. I hope you have an awesome week. You know, you're you're something. You are something special. You have a unique proposition that only you can deliver. I'm looking at this right on my screen right here in front of me. The intolerable chaos of unexploited possibilities. That's what we're all about, aren't we? It's a chaos of unexploited possibilities. And that's what you are. You are a possibility. Commit yourself to that pursuit. You may fail. You may not. But you want to be clear that when you fail... You get back up again, and you can hit that target. You can make that goal, 
Have a great day.